Are you single, dating, engaged? Maybe you're even married. Welcome to the month of love. This is the FYI podcast. We're your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. We're in a series the whole month of February called Love, Sex, Dating, and Waiting. These episodes in this series are presented by our partners at Covenant Eyes. If you want to experience freedom from the shame and the chains of pornography, Covenant Eyes is an accountability software that is so amazing. You can get your first month free with promo code YOUNGADULTS, Y-O-U-N-G, A-D-U-L-T-S, no spaces, YOUNGADULTS at CovenantEyes.com or use the link in the show notes. Yeah, and if you want to take your singleness dating engagement to the next level and bring Christ back into the center, you have an opportunity to check out MicahKennelly.com where you can get your very first leather-bound journal, which is specifically designed to help you center your life around Christ in your singleness dating engagement and even your marriage for your friends who are wondering how you're doing it. You get to journal to your future spouse and give this to them on your wedding night where you get to pray, journal, read scripture, and learn how to fast for your future spouse. It's amazing. Again, MicahKennelly.com while supplies. $10 off, you guys. And here's our newest conversation on the FYI podcast. Today's episode of FYI podcast, we're going to have some fun. We are unpacking Grace's question. Grace sent in the DM on Instagram and said, she goes, talk about boundaries in dating. I thought that was such a great question. And we've done an episode talking about freedom in Christ. We're talking with Kristen Ostrom about singleness. We're going to talk with Sam and Madison later in this series about marriage and saying I do. But I think that bringing dating into the conversation in this series on love, sex, dating, and waiting, talking about boundaries, I love it. Babe, you want to go with today's verse of the day? All right, everybody. Today's verse of the day comes from Proverbs 27, 12. And it says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Unpack that. Unpack that. I would even say the first part, prudent see danger and take refuge, meaning that you are wise. Mm -hmm. You see something, you take refuge, you get out of the way of it and you avoid whatever that is, fill in the blank. And the simple keep going and pay the penalty, meaning they're simple-minded. They don't think about the future. They don't think about the consequences. They don't think about others or who and how the decisions that they are participating in or making are impacting not only themselves, but those around them. So I think even just understanding that do start doing something, doing start doing something that your future self is going to thank you for. So I think when you are wise versus simple, you are preparing, you're planning, you're thinking, you're aware, there's an awareness factor. So that's what I would say. Is there anything that I missed that you would want to add to that? Unpacking it? I don't think you missed anything. I think my perspective on the Proverbs is just, this is the book of wisdom, right? This was written to young adults. Mm -hmm. Really King Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs and he was considered up until Jesus, the wisest person who had ever walked the face of this Mm -hmm. planet. And for us to get good at asking questions, to get good at listening, Mm -hmm. to get good at seeking wisdom, James, which is kind of considered the New Testament Proverbs, the half-brother of Jesus wrote that one. And along the same lines, he says, ask God for wisdom. So you might be in your 20s or in your 30s as a young adult and like, God, I need wisdom in relationships. I need wisdom in dating. I need wisdom with my career. I need wisdom with decision-making. Look, 
the crossroads of young adulthood is rush hour traffic. Oh, for sure. Like you're just praying not to get ran over. <laughs> like we live here in near Minneapolis and right by the airport, right by Mall of America. Hit us up if you ever are in, in town. We'd love to see you. But I think that what's crazy is one of the busiest intersections in our state mm-hmm. in the entire country is 494 and 35W. Mm-hmm. You can get to Minneapolis easy. Mm -hmm. You can get south of the river, like Lakeville. You can get out west, like Lake Minnetonka. You can go east to like St. Paul, the other twin city. But I think that everyone wants to go on these roads. And Jesus said it, that narrow is the path Mm -hmm. that leads to life. And so it's finding that wisdom yeah. that's going to bless us for a lifetime to come and echo into eternity. And I thought we'd do something fun. Oh, okay. Before so, we answer the question. Yeah, yeah, legit. Like right here, we were given these conversation starters as a Christmas gift. I think it was. Yes. 88 conversation starters. Yep. 88. Great. And so we are going to each read one. Okay. So I'm going to read one to you, babe. Okay. And I'm going to answer it. You're going to answer it. And then I don't know the question that's coming to me. So here, you ready? I'm ready. Yes. Drum roll. What do you got? Bring it. Okay. Okay. In what ways are we alike? How are we different? And do you think that opposites attract? Ooh. And it's three rapid fire questions. Okay. Do I think (laughs) opposites attract? I'm going to start at the end. Do I think opposites attract? Yes and no, and I'll get to that. So I think we're our curiosity is peaked due to the opposite attracting, sure, because we are not wired the same. So I think that initially attracts, um, but we are separate people even in the process. So yes and no, are we different? Yes, I Meaning would say Josiah and Micah. Yes, okay. are we different? Yes, I would say even in the form of introvert, extrovert. Okay, who's the introvert? Uh, me. Yep. And you, I'm an omnivert. I yeah. mean, I can kind of swing both ways, but yeah. you're definitely extrovert. Yep. So I just think just those, those like, who's a spender? Who's a saver? I can spend, you can save. Like, and granted we meet in the middle. So I think those are the types of things where we learn how to balance each other out. And even Carrie Newhoff, one of our favorite leaders. Yeah. He was a guest on the Young Adults Today podcast. He was fascinated by us. He wrote a book called At Your Best. Yeah. And his whole thing, he goes, you guys should really do a podcast on marriage because at your best, when are you at your best? Oh, from like 7 to 11 a.m. That's probably my best, most when, productive. When am I at my best? Not that. 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> do we need a time Maybe change in this marriage? We need a time change. If we did shift work, it would be great in some <laughs> awesome ways, but that's not even feasible. And we're um, recording this at what time? I don't even know what time is it. 1247. On a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. So mid-afternoon. So two o'clock is my nap time. I feel like I need a second cup of coffee. Anyway. Uh, but are we the same? I think we're not the same people, but we have similar callings in life where elements of your life will align. Um, so we're both called to young adults where we'll feel called to speak and to teach and to preach and to write and to encourage, encourage those around us. But we're also very different even in our approaches of how we do that. So do opposites attract on some levels? I would say, yes. That is when you go out and find some bad boy. I'll just, why find something so extremely opposite of you? But the, I would say the other thing is, Pastor Jerry Strankus would say like, if two of you, if you keep saying like, oh, we're like the same person. This is awesome. Like I found my soulmate. Okay. He would say, which I would agree with, if you are the same person, if you two are the same person, then one of you is unnecessary. Love that How boring would it be for blah to meet blah? Like 
Let's just be blah together. Where I'm spicy, Josiah's a little more neutral. Where he's wound up, I'm a little more tame. So it's fun to bring out that and balance each other out. So I don't know. That's a lot. You could ask me three questions. Oh my gosh. And and Greg Laurie, a great pastor and author, pastors a church called Harvest in Riverside, California. He describes when when he met Lonnie Frisbee, a friend of his, they did ministry together. It was like nitro meeting glycerin. Hmm. And I mm-hmm. think for, for the person who does desire marriage, we always say like finding a spouse doesn't fix you. Your relationship status isn't a problem to be solved. Right. And finding a spouse doesn't like complete you, but it sure complements you. Right. And I view it as like, it's like when nitro meets glycerin and that's when you have like a chemical reaction where it's just like, like even like biblically, iron yes. sharpens iron. Yes. There's two solid, strong people sharpening each other in the process of marriage and discovering each other more and more. Okay. Love these conversation right. starters. Josiah's question. Oh, let's see here. What first attracted you to me? And when did you know that I was the one? That's Ooh, the that's card. fun. When did you know that? You, I was You like just proved it. It's card number 34, 24, 24. So Dr. Seuss says a little quote, you know, you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. Oh, Dr. Seuss. I didn't know that one. Anyway, sorry. You can can answer. (laughs) So what first attracted you, me to you? Um, What was it about you that I was attracted to? You know, our story is we met at Cedar Valley Church, mm-hmm. Bloomington, Minnesota. I was on staff leading young adults. You walked mm-hmm. in and I had actually already heard about you. <laughs> um, a few mutual friends, Nate Chapman, mm-hmm. Terry Parkman, they had given Mike and Mac and I, who were on staff together, they had given us a heads up. Hey, there's this gal who moved from Bismarck, North Dakota to go back yeah. to North Central. She's looking for a church where there's a young adult ministry to lead in. Yeah, And so I had heard about your name. And, and then I remember we met in the lobby and I had a rule. I don't date people from this church because I'm, I'm your pastor really. And so it wasn't the church's rule. It was my rule. Which I think was a wise rule. And, and I really leaned into that rule um, of my own, but I would say it was when first I was attracted to you. Number one, you're beautiful. The second thing though, is when we had, had become friends, Mm -hmm. like we had developed, I don't know, six months, maybe eight or 10 months where we were friends. We did ministry together. We saw each other four or five times in a lot of weeks, um, hanging out in a lot of the same groups. And then what ended up happening is we went on a missions trip that I led to China and I saw your heart Mm -hmm. and I got back and went to... (laughs) a day trip to Chicago with Micah Mack, another dear friend and the whole YouTube concert, like Bono's up there and he's singing like in the name of love. And it wasn't even the month of February. It wasn't even like the relationship series. It was, just, it was like in May. It was just like, he he's singing the songs where the streets have no name. I should have been on key there, but um, <clears throat> there I did the voice clear. You know where you're going. <clears throat> but <laughs> la la la. Tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. So I was at in Chicago, U2 concert, and I, like I couldn't stop thinking about you. And so that's when I think I sent the text and I was like thinking to myself, this could be awkward. Mm-hmm. 
she might want to go to another church. Our friendship might be over, but I would regret the rest of my life if I didn't share how I felt. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that there's, that's, um, when did I know that you were the one though? Is, you know, we actually, I had some fears. I had some things that I I had to walk through and we actually broke up. Mm -hmm. We put a pause on things that we didn't think it was a pause. We said it was the end. But during that Mm -hmm. time, that was when I saw what my life would look like without you. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, I need to get over some fears. I need to heal from God and just different things. But that's when I knew that you were the one. December of 2015. Yep. Yep. Oh man. That sounds like a long time ago already. Good answers. Good answers, everybody. And we're going to unpack like what are boundaries talking about boundaries in dating, establishing boundaries. And I think there's something that you really have that you've taught on before that I think is, I mean, in this day and age, just essential. Can you unpack where's your headspace at Micah with, with like boundaries? Boundaries. Um, Well, I think you should even, if you are not yet in a relationship and you are interested in somebody and you're, they're interested in you, I think even having boundary conversations and expectations before you even put a label on dating, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. is smart. But if you find yourself in a relationship and you have not yet had the boundaries conversation, it's not too late to start infiltrating those elements of who you are and your morals and your goals and just where you're at and where you don't want to be, um, I think are, are good. And I think I land on three things just because I know And it may sound so elementary. And I will tell you this, that I implemented these in my life while dating Josiah at the age of 27. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, oh my gosh, it sounds like I'm 15 again, my mom and dad. Hey, I felt the same way when I felt God laid these rules down in my heart, because if you give the enemy an inch in any of these areas of boundary, he will take a mile every time and you cannot take back time and you cannot take back your mistakes. Now you can reprocess and you can reel it in and you can establish new boundaries. But once you've flown off the guardrail with purity and you've gone all the way, like you can't jump back onto the cliff if you've already jumped off, right? And even if you have that ripcord and whatever, there are still consequences for those decisions. And I'm not heaping guilt or shame. I'm just saying once you've gone too far, it's hard to reel it back in and start at ground zero without that constant temptation to go where you've once been right? Or you feel like you park in the lane of shame. Like Mm -hmm. there is freedom, there is redemption, there is rededication of your life, your purity relationship with Jesus and making him your everything and bringing Christ back into the center. So when I talk about these three things, I talk about if you're in a relationship with boundaries, number one is time. How much time are you spending with that person? Mm -hmm. How much time are you spending with your friends? If they are all consuming and they're the only thing in your life and you've been idolizing them or they become number one and the head of your relationship with God, that becomes a problem. And then with time, I actually had just, I had a rule. Like I would not text you. Even if you texted me past 10 PM, remember he's a night owl. So he's like out at Applebee's, he's hanging out with friends, he's at a game, whatever. And I wouldn't answer some of the texts because I'm like, it's not, he was saying anything appropriate. It's like, I become more vulnerable past 10 PM verbally. Mm -hmm. I know that I do. I still do in marriage. So I had time of like 
what am I, what am I going to respond to you to mm -hmm. set up those time boundaries? You were out of my apartment mm -hmm. by 10 PM, or we were out in public with other people. If it was past that curfew that I had placed on myself and shared with you in that process. Um, so time I think is essential. Um, touch I think is setting up those boundaries of holding hands and snuggling and spooning. And I think Terry Parkman says it best, just like, what is, what did he, what has he said? I think he said something to the effect of you don't want to wait until you're making out in the backseat of a car to decide and determine what your boundaries are. Yeah. And I think that's an example of a physical boundary. And and so boundaries are pre-decisions. Yes, they are. They are. So it's time, touch. Mm -hmm. I think just being mindful of your, your hands. And if you can delay as much as you can delay that mm -hmm. on, on all fronts, mm -hmm. kissing, making out all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And you might be like, Mike, you're so old school. Listen, like I said, you play with fire. Like if you, people always ask Mike, how long, how close can I get? Well, how close can you get to sin without sinning? Like that's the wrong question. It's saying what boundaries does God have set up in the word of God that are there to protect me, not deprive me. Mm -hmm. So, and it is an old book that promises a new life. Truly, it so does on so many fronts. So time, touch, and I would say technology is one thing. Where, what are you sending each other? How are you talking? How are you Zooming, TikToking? Uh, what's the other one? Snapchatting, like just oh those gosh, things. What media are you right. consuming? Well, consuming for yourself, but also what are you sending to each mm -hmm. other? Mm -hmm. So I mean, putting up those guardrails or time, touch, and technology, I think are essential. And if one of you, I would say this, if one of you has expectations like way up here and one of you is like, well, ah, this is okay right here. The person down here always rises to the occasion of the other. And if you're both here, then you both need to raise your bar mm -hmm. and you both have to have, start having accountability <laughs> people that you're scared to check in with and say, Hey, are you guarding her heart? Hey, mm -hmm. are you staying over at night? Hey, what is your curfew? Hey, mm -hmm. someone who's asking you the hard questions in that process of time, touch, and technology, I think can be very helpful or detrimental if you do or do not have in place. So what I would think, you say? I think that boundaries are like this in relationships. Everything we do is practice for the future. Yeah. And so I think that we get it mixed up sometimes where, you know, the message is like, wait for marriage, wait for marriage, wait for marriage. Yes. And I believe what scripture outlines is that sex mm -hmm. is for holy matrimony. Yeah. Like th that is so crystal clear. And I think at the same time, my hypothesis is I've asked God, like, why is it that you are asking us young adults, why is it that this yeah, is, this yeah. is, this is the call for obedience in, in relationships. Mm -hmm. And you know what I, I I've sensed is this boundaries are practice for marriage. All mm -hmm. boundaries are practice for the future. And it's like, we're always forming habits. Mm -hmm. And so the boundary that you're practicing, if you're sleeping around as a single person or dating mm -hmm. is that's practice for infidelity in marriage. hundred percent. Yeah. And if you're practicing fidelity, even in a dating relationship, even though you are engaged, even though you think that this is going to, even though you, you love each other and you're Christians and that mm -hmm. God is at the center of this, even though you think that there might be wedding bells coming, fidelity in dating waiting for marriage 
is actually practice for fidelity in marriage. Because I think a myth that a lot of people believe a couple could be is one Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people are hung up in believing a myth or a lie that, okay, they just view pornography. They're not disciplined. They're not getting accountability software because they're like, oh, once I get married, my sex drive and my needs will be taken care of. And so it'll solve all those problems. And we know from data and research and just talking to Mary, you might be single today desiring to be married. We also talk to a lot of people who are married who desire to be single. So why are there fewer marriages? Why are marriages not lasting? Mm -hmm. And why are so many marriages unhappy? Yeah. I think that that's a factor. And I think the other myth that we believe or the lie that we believe is that, you know, we're some sort of exception to the rule. Right. And I think as humans, we try to justify any and all behavior. Oh my gosh. Right. So how long can I play with fire before I get burned is a question Mm-hmm. essentially what you're saying but it's like oh i don't want to reap the consequences well don't camp on enemy lines like don't don't let the enemy in <laughs> we've all been to a campfire and a bonfire where somebody has this great idea and they pick up the uh like a stick or the poker yeah and they like flip it up and they they take one of the hot coals and they toss it to somebody and then they they play like hot potato with a coal i've I, never done you've that. never done that okay I, I don't think I'm the only one, but this is what exactly what you're describing. Like somebody that I was at a bonfire with, it might've been me, had this idea like, Hey, think quick, let's play this. Let's play this. And then let's toss it back and forth. And you don't get burned right away. But if you hold it a second too long, millisecond too long, like all you can do with this hot coal thing, that's a true story. Mm-hmm. It's you can catch and release like, whoosh. and if you are fast enough, you don't get burned. But it goes back to the simple mm-hmm. see danger and they keep going. Yeah. They suffer the consequences. Yeah. They get burned. Yeah. They don't pay attention to the caution signs. They don't pay attention yeah. to the, the, the guardrails. Yeah. And, and what they end up doing is they pay the consequences later. Whereas the prudent, the wise person mm-hmm. seek danger and they take refuge. I remember being 16 years old, <laughs> first winter in, in Minnesota driving. And I was coming back from a final at school and I spun out going over the 35W bridge, um, lost control of the vehicle. Thankfully, I was the only vehicle involved. And I watched as in the cup holder, I had one cup holder filled with like coins. Yeah. And then the other was like pens, yeah. pencils. And I watched all of them just like slow motion go everywhere. The, the car was just spinning. I was on black ice, didn't see it. And black ice is this thing, if you're not from the Midwest or in Minnesota, where it hits like 32 degrees and then the ground freezes and it looks like normal cement or blacktop, mm-hmm. looks clear. But if you get caught on it, it's it will really spin icy. you spin you right out of control, yeah. especially if you're going too fast or mm-hmm. on cruise control or something like that. Well, I spun out. And I thought it was the end Mm -hmm. because over me is the Minnesota river. Once you fall off that in a car in the middle of winter. And I promise you what saved my life that day was there was a boundary. There was a guardrail Mm -hmm. over the Minnesota river on 35 W we live not far from it now. Mm -hmm. And that is the whole, the, the prudency danger and take refuge, the simple, keep going and pay the penalty. And it's like, guardrails are not sexy Yeah, on the streets. 
like boundaries are not like this exhilarating thing. There's not, they don't put butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. And yet this is, I think one of the wisest things yeah. that we can do yeah. in having boundaries. And so it could be chapter and verse, like mm-hmm. we were just in yeah. what are good boundaries for a healthy Christian new Testament relationship, because we don't yeah. see dating in scripture, right? In the Bible times, it was more arranged marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, so dating is a little bit more of a relatively new concept. Yeah. And I would even say for the person listening, like, oh my gosh, I just cringe at the thought of a boundary. I used to be a personal trainer and fitness instructor, anybody that I would ever meet with. And we knew that their dietary supplementing of junk food needed to change if they wanted results. Right. Mm. So what I would even tell them is, okay, we're not going to focus on what you can't eat or you shouldn't eat or that you should avoid. We're going to focus on the things that you, that are healthy for you, that you should consume and that you should eat in moderation. And then these things you should eat like in your daily regimens. So when you flip the script of like, I mean, it's like getting told to the doctor, you're going to the doctor's office and they tell you, you can't eat gluten. Okay. That was my story. You can't eat gluten anymore. I can't have pizza. I can't have breadsticks. I can't have pasta. I can't have like, I went through this whole list of things that I can't eat. And I was so frustrated. This was like 10, 15 years ago. So it's obviously evolved since then. But in that moment, I felt so defeated. I felt so frustrated because it's like, okay, if I can't eat all these things, what can I eat? And I think for the person who's like, if I've gone all the way and I've given everything away, and I, you're telling me I shouldn't do these things anymore. And it's biblically saying, biblically saying that I should save myself sexually for marriage. It's a covenant between a man and a wife in the context of marriage. And that covenant happens on the web, wedding night. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I would say if you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord, your purity and start praying, forgiving yourself, forgiving the people who maybe wronged you or something that's been taken from you, offer forgiveness to yourself, ask God for forgiveness forgive anybody else involved and start looking at what can I do? Okay. I'm dating this person. I can pursue them. Mm -hmm. I can take them out on dates. We can have amazing conversation. We can take walks. We can go mini golfing. We can go bowling, like all the activities that you can do to get to know somebody that you could potentially spend the rest of your life with. Listen, there's going to be conversations that you have that you should have in your dating process and not wait for marriage. And what better way to do that than to know what can I do? Not what do I want to do? And I would say for the person who does um, have a desire for marriage, who does have the desire for intimacy with a spouse someday, who does have a high drive and has these expectations of the future, what they can and should look like, because this is what Hollywood's portrayed it as. This is how fun it should be. I would start praying if you're struggling with the boundaries that you've set up and the parameters. Number one, before any date or anybody that you meet of the opposite sex, I would say, I'm going to invite God into this situation and this relationship. Whether or not they know about it is one thing. But if they're a believer, Josiah and I would literally pray before mm-hmm. every day. Hey, Lord, we want to honor and glorify you with our, our words, with our actions. We don't have to say our bodies. You can say actions. With how we spend and, our time. And how we spend our time together. Yeah. Maybe honoring and pleasing to you. And when you invite God into that date night, it just can change Mm-hmm. the outcome of the evening potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that, I would even say that that's one approach yep. Two, I would say, Lord, start Lord, will you tame this desire in my heart 
for marriage and intimacy today. Now, I'm not asking God to remove any and all sexual desires from here on out. It's saying, Lord, tame this desire in my heart, and I trust that you are going to fulfill it. Because in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, if he said it, he will do it. Now, does that mean in our time? No, that means God's time. And with our time comes two things, free will Mm -hmm. and obedience. Even when it doesn't make sense, be obedient. There's an immediate obedient factor that needs to help it happen in your dating life. If God says, no, do not go on this date and you do not feel peace with this person pursuing you, do not text them back. Just say, no, no, thank you. Be strong, be firm, delete their number. Don't go on that date. That's God guiding you. There's an immediate obedience. If you feel peace and you didn't have to convince yourself to go on this date, then maybe it could be from the Lord and you can put yourself out there in that dating pool. And I would say with free will, we all have free will. We don't have a God that controls us. We have a God that guides us, but that doesn't always mean that we stay on the guided path. So when we go off on our own adventure and we find ourselves in the middle of nowhere wondering how we got there there's consequences for the free will Mm -hmm. that we get to tell the story later right to our future spouse to the person we're dating maybe even to ourselves so i would say those are a couple things to keep in mind lord tame this desire in my heart because he will come in and tame that desire it doesn't mean that he kills that desire and says you're no good for marriage if that's something that's already there it's saying, let me tame that, mm-hmm. meaning that I'm not going to act out in my flesh. I'm going to team up with God and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So once we can start doing that and submitting those requests to the Lord and coming to him with all of those feelings, emotions, mm-hmm. desires, you should hopefully sleep better, breathe better, know that there's nothing wrong with you if you're single. There's nothing wrong with you if you're married. I'm just saying we would much rather see young adults work for a marriage that is good and godly than to settle for something along the way that becomes hell on earth later. So even in the realm of, you know, we talk about there's four different levels of, of desired relationship. Decide you want to break those down, start at the bottom and work our way up. Cause I've experienced probably three of the four, Mm -hmm. three of the four. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or four of the top, whatever way. Yeah. I so think, it's four levels. Yeah, yeah. The the levels of relationship that we've kind of adopted and made our own, it's like discontent in marriage. And you never want to get there. Right. So if somebody says, like, I'm not happy in this marriage, that's like, oh man. I married the wrong person. Yep. What are we yep. doing? Yeah. And that's why singleness is so important and dating is so yeah. important. And who you choose to marry, should you choose to get married, is so it's why we need wisdom. It's why we yeah. pray. It's why a worth the weight journal is yeah. such a great spiritual discipline. And so you don't want to reach a place where you're discontent in marriage. Now, there's a lot of people who become discontent in their singleness. Mm-hmm. I even ran a poll um on my Instagram story, like, are you Content or discontent? Are you single dating engaged? Where what what's where are you at with relationships? And mm-hmm. you know, but but if you are unhappily single, the only place you can go is down. Mm-hmm. If you get married, that's not going to solve your happiness. Yeah, your happiness or your joy or your contentment isn't found in your relationship status changing. It's single people problems that we got to deal with and address and do the work 
that's in singleness. Yes. Yes. While we're single. Marriage. Yes. Yeah. And and don't you want that for your future spouse to say, like, yeah. hey, I became the best version of myself with God's help. Yeah. And before I met you. <laughs> exactly. Or even while I'm meeting you. Right, then, right, right. And then um where you want to be is content in singleness. You're happily single. You're like, it doesn't mean you don't want to get married or that that's not a desire, but you're like, look, I'm happy and I'm mm-hmm. content. And if God elevates me, awesome. Mm-hmm. Your time will come. And then the the mm-hmm. goal, the desire for all of us yeah. is to be content in marriage and content, happily married. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's just something that's so, so powerful. And that we've seen, we've seen it all, yeah. you know? And I think that, but I just wanted to break down that kind of quadrants of relationships. No, you're good. Yeah. So I think it's good. Just keeping in mind, wherever you find yourself on that, start praying that God would start healing any hurts, hurdles, and hangups that you personally have now, because those are things that need healing before you get married. And if you get married in two extremely messy, broken, hurt people coming together, you're only going to be even more frustrated and discouraged and annoyed because you didn't let God heal heal you in the singleness. You expected that other person to heal your problems and heal your heart and say, here's my broken heart. Here's my brokenness. Fix me. And that's nothing. That's only God can fix us. And it's not even fixing. Only God can mend the brokenness of us. Redeeming, so, restoring. Yes. And and I think of some of my friends in their marriage for mm-hmm. their first year of marriage. And it turned into, I think, their first seven years of marriage. Some of my mentors. Yeah. They, um, and we didn't do this necessarily, but they decided in their marriage to start with the boundary and they did not own a television. Mm. A few people found out word kind of word on the street got out. They were offered and given like several teas. Like people were like, I feel bad for you. They thought they were like really poor or something like, do you want one of our TVs that doesn't work so hot, but we got a new one, like nothing wrong with this one, but we just got something bigger or thinner and my friends, they, um, they started and, and the reason they, they created that boundary is it's so easy to just like veg out, mm-hmm. which that whole expression, it's like what vegetable out on the couch, like turn into a vegetative sedated state and be entertained. And, and I'm not against, um, entertainment or media or sports or even Hollywood cinema films. But it increases the opportunity for conversation, for reading, for eye to eye, conver- like eye to eye, yep. like intimacy. Like yep. it's not one eye looking over here, one eye over yeah. here. It's I'm fully engaged with yeah. you. Yeah. And, and their whole goal with that was to start their marriage with the foundation mm, and build the so foundation good. years of their marriage without television. And um, I believe this family now they own uh, some form of a TV, but I, but I think that that's just like, what an amazing thing. And I think something that JP says, mm. um, I've heard Jonathan Pakluda talk about this and it might be in his book outdated as well. Like if you just do the math mm. on for once you get married and why it's important to establish rhythms of communication and boundaries and get good at why did we do the questions? We wanted to show you that Micah and I are still growing in communication, mm-hmm. becoming better interviewers or question askers. We're becoming better listeners and, and tracking and all of those things. But back to what JP says, like if you get married and you are having sex and having that form of intimacy, it's not how you spend all of your time or even most of your time. It's like, 
so you, his, his wording is like, you better get good at other things like listening or asking questions Mm -hmm. and having conversations and have there be more to your relationship than physical. Well, there needs to be substance and depth. And I think so many times we go straight towards the physical ramifications or like those are the ramifications that we kind of, I don't know, reap the consequences of, but it's like, okay, but there's also substance. There's, there's intimacy through Mm -hmm. conversation, not just physical elements. And I think if you can become a good conversationalist in your singleness, you'll just become a better communicator in your marriage. So it's like establishing expectations for yourself versus the other person that you're looking for, I think is, is smart. And I mean, my last thought, I mean, I'd love to hear any last thoughts that you have on boundaries in dating, but one of the things that I think needs to be elevated in, in this conversation is once you're married, Mm -hmm. what are the boundaries that you have? Yeah. Because again, it's, it's back to the myths that I was talking about or about the lies. Like Mm -hmm. the thing is, is so many married people cheat on each other. So many married people, there's infidelity. And this is why many marriages don't last. Mm -hmm. And yet it it was like, nobody set out to like have an affair when, when they were reading their vows. And yet were there the boundaries? Was there the framework for a healthy covenant in marriage? And, and that's why I think that like, maybe even a better question is like, what are the, what are the boundaries in marriage? Because I think that that's a great place to start practicing those boundaries now, whether it's time or technology or touch or other things. Um, it could be travel. It could be so many different things of just like in marriage. And so that's one of the things that I'm passionate about. And I just wanted to share that any, any last thoughts, babe, when it comes to just answering Grace's question about boundaries in dating. Boundaries in dating. Well, I think when you're dating, you have to also look forward to like, what do you want your marriage to look like? Because dating's fun. It's exciting. It's all these different things. And I feel like God downloaded this at Bible study last night. So I have this, this diagram and it's like, it's arrows and it's both of you. If this is when you do get married. So if you didn't have any of these conversations and you're find yourself in marriage, there's choices that Josiah makes that I make and that we make. So there's yep. a he, a she, and a we. And it's the, almost like the Venn diagram. Sure. <clears throat> I don't know who that is, but. Oh, it's the three circles where there's he, she, we. Oh. We is the overlap. Oh, see, he's smarter yep. than I am. <clears throat> I just sketched this out. So I feel like this first one right here, it's two arrows that are growing apart. So it's two people in a household that are like just doing their thing and they don't wow. have any conversation. This generally leads to divorce. And then you have the, excuse me, the people, the second one would be two arrows essentially going in the same direction, side by side. Now that turns into, you're just cohabitating. You're just coexisting. You're just going through the motions. You don't really, there's maybe you don't have sex anymore and you have kids and the kids become your world or your business thing, my business thing. And we're just occupying a household. Yes. We're just roommates. So it's occupying this household we don't really know what's going on in each other's lives. We're not really engaging. It's like the people who they're like, I said, I love you on the day we got married. Do I have like, to tell you every day? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the answer, yes, you should tell each other every day. And then I feel like there's this third one when you're both two Christians taking your life seriously with the Lord. Is you're serious about your walk with Jesus. You are as well. You're not just roommates. You are a married couple doing life together and you grow closer together with 
the Lord spearheading everything you do, where you can become an unstoppable force for God's kingdom, which does not lead to divorce, which does not lead to infidelity, which does not lead to pornography addictions, does not lead to any secret sin because you're living in cadence with Christ and you're living so close to each other that you probably know what I'm going to say before I say it. And we're seeking God together and separately, and we become stronger together. So it's like even looking at this diagram, thinking if you are married listening, you're like, where is my marriage now? Where has it been? And where do I want it to be? I think those are some things that you need to ask yourself, but how we set up our boundaries in dating, our expectations in dating, our singleness affects our married life, whether you want to realize it or not, start praying. What kind of marriage do you want? Do you want one that begins with the end in mind, which is the last diagram that I showed you where we're elevating Christ and living together. Do you just want to become roommates? Well, get a dog. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> that's not going to be very fulfilling for anybody. Or maybe you have experienced divorce. You come from a divorced family and you can see where things kind of shifted in your household. So just start praying for your future marriage. And I'd say that's a personal boundary that you need to establish. It's good. What is my boundary with the Lord? What are my expectations? And to share your heart openly before the Lord there's nothing that you can say that's going to surprise him. There's nothing you can say that he can't handle. So I love that's that. my last thought. Thanks for sharing that. It, it, it's a little bit of a hot take or spicy, you know, segment here on the FYI podcast, what Is I'm it? about oh, to okay. say, but, but like, I think that I wonder sometimes is that if so many marriages are unhappy or unsuccessful mm-hmm. because their baseline was they settled. And they just wanted to get married. So they got married and they never had a vision for what you're describing of more than a marriage, like, which is a growing marriage, which is a growing closer, which is a unlimited PhD in in a degree of each other, because we're going to study each other. We're going to research. It's your own case study in in like becoming an expert in Micah Mm -hmm. is one of the assignments I think God's given me as an opportunity. And I still surprise you with random things. For sure. (laughs) For sure. And, but I I wonder that sometimes if like, you know, we need a bigger vision of who God is about his meaning of marriage, what is purpose and what, and and it comes from his word. Mm -hmm. And so loving this series um, excited for the next couple of weeks. We've yeah. got Kristen Ostrom will be joining. We'll be yeah. talking about singleness. We're going to talk with friends, Sam and Madison about I do. Yep. And if you have questions about relationships or maybe it's for future series about man, adulting, mm-hmm. life, faith, theology, the future, career, calling so much more, check out young adults, that today in the show notes for here you're listening to the FYI podcast.